Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM. My guest host with me again today is Jeremy Jones, and we thank him so much, Jeremy, for being with us this morning. Good morning. Glad to be here. And, uh, you know, we've got two great guests today from in the studios, too, and they're not on the television or telephone or whatever, television, telephone. I, you, know, you can tell I'm all confused this morning. But the reality is they're in the studios. Paul Rich from Savannah, Tennessee, our office in Savannah, and Adam Rees, the office in Pulaski, Tennessee. And uh, we want to welcome them to the program in a few minutes. But before we do that, you know, uh, the government seems to be spending their money differently today than they used to. You remember? I mean, kind of think about that for a second. Yeah, we always think about what the government's spending and what they've been spending over the last few years. But the 12 months ending since September... Um, you know, it's projected, September 15, projected to be 69% mandatory spending from the government and 31% in discretionary spending. Now, you know, when you think about that, if it's your budget, that means that when you get up every morning that you've got to do almost 70% of what you've got to spend is mandatory. That's on your home, your car, your debt, you know, the utility bill. All those things are mandatory. Yeah, that, that makes my heart oh, hurt when you too. think about that. 70%, it's kind of like, uh, you know, if you go back to 1962 thinking about the same thing with government spending it's just the opposite 32 percent of mandatory spending and 68 percent discretionary so you know that's been a big change since 1962 and what we're spending and that's coming from the office of management and uh, budget the office of management and budget the budget give us that statistic but you do think about that's a complete flip-flop of where how you're how we're having to manage the money and the mandatory spending that the government's doing. And, that's, of course, that's why taxes are where we are. Absolutely. And, you know, but the good side of things, you know, that's the government spending going on. But the good move that we've seen uh, lately coming from the Department of Commerce is personal savings rate. Currently, uh, the personal savings rate in the USA is 5.8% as of the end of February. Uh, and if you go back to April of 05, it was only at 0.8%. So that's a good sign that individuals, after tax earnings, that they're getting it, they're saving, saving. more. Yeah, we're, we're becoming more of a savings nation. And I read a statistic recently from Neighbor, Neighbor Works America said that 47% of 1,035 American adults that were surveyed admit that they would extinguish their existing emergency savings in less than 90 days or, or less, 90 days or less. And that mean, think about it, that means they're not, they're saving money. We at least started, but we've got a long way to go to have the emergency funds that we desperately need in order to manage some of those emergency things that happen. Absolutely. Well, again, if you just tuned in, of course, you're listening to Talk Money on uh, KWAM. I'm Jim Shoemaker, 
and along with Jeremy Jones. And we're both certified financial planners, and we're going to be talking with a couple of guys that are in the business, Paul Rich and Adam Rees. Paul's from Savannah, and Adam is from Pulaski, and we're going to talk about the financial do's and don'ts. And that's um, one of those subjects that uh, you do this, but you don't do that because you got to make sure that you're understanding the push-pull. Do you need a financial advisor? That's going to be one of the questions that we're going to be talking with them when we come back. So stay tuned. Again, this is Talk Money on KWAM. We'll be right back after this. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Contact Haley Kemp at 901-757-5757 or email at hkemp at shoemakerfinancial.com. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Jeremy Jones. Just to remind everybody, if you've got a question that you'd like to ask the guys up here today or any question that you'd like for us to put on the air, just simply send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial. That's talkmoney at Shoemaker Financial. Jeremy, you, you had a guy text you a question uh, because he was he knew you and he was listening and, and he was talking about the fact that you are a certified financial planner. I, it's a little tongue-in-cheek, but it does kind of help. Uh, in fact, it's going to set up what I'm going to ask Paul here in a few minutes. Yeah, I'm not going to answer this question. <laughs> I'm going to let the guys with the do's and don'ts uh, you know, of planning answer this. But the guy, he sent me a text. He said, he said, since you're a certified financial planner, he said, how do I plan for retirement? When my wife spends all my money, <laughs> you know, hey, I'm not. We're gonna, not going to mention any names. I'm not going to touch that, you know. But I'm going to let these guys talk a lot about the do's and don'ts today. Well, Paul Rich and Adam Reese. Paul is from Savannah, Tennessee, and Adam is from Pulaski, Tennessee. We were talking about did we need to get our map out and put everybody. That's West Tennessee. Uh, and it's areas that uh, these guys do a great job. And, and you know, it's uh, small-town America, if you really think about it, and it's where financial planning, you wouldn't think that people in a small town, you might say, oh, they don't need financial planning. But these guys are consummate planners, do a great job. Uh, Paul, you've been doing it for uh, over 20 years, is that correct? Almost 24. Uh, almost 24 years, and you started when you were 12, I, I think. I did, yeah, yes. Exactly. I looked 12. <laughs> looked 12, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, Adam, you've been doing it for? 10 years now. 10 years, and that's uh, great. These guys have, have been doing it a while, and they know. So, Paul, let me start, because uh, I really wanted to ask the question, back even to the text, even though it was tongue-in-cheek. Um, I know what a planner is supposed to do. I mean, a planner needs to be the guy that guides sometimes the husband and the wife. I mean, gets both of them on the same page where they can talk together and plan together. And that's sometimes very difficult. And so, you know, I always encourage people to have a financial date night. I mean, go out and make it once a month. My wife and I used to go out once at least once a year and take two days to plan and think about what we were going to be doing because we would communicate. But from a planner's perspective, our job sometimes is to guide them through that process. Well, I think, first of all, I would say uh, to to, uh, take up for the ladies, ladies tend to spend money on small things. Guys, we spend money on big things. So uh, oftentimes I'm taking up for the ladies in that situation. But, you know, I I look back just an example. uh, I think we're all 
do things we're better at. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not a, obviously, you look at me, I'm not a baseball player, but baseball players who spend all their time studying how to do that, they do a better job. And, you know, a financial advisor, that's what we do. We spend our time studying in that area, and we, we, we're experienced in that. And I, I relate it to an example. I've, I've said this to a few clients. You know, we, we, everyone out there thinks that they know how to deal with their own money. They, they do, but they don't spend any time planning it. Mm. And so let's use an example. The greatest coaches in the world, let's just use Calipari, which I hate to put him in that category, but let's use him because I know he's got a great uh, fan base here in Memphis. But, you know, <laughs> I, look at, I look at him as an example. I guarantee you when he's getting ready for a basketball game, you know, even though he may be one of the greatest coaches in the world, he sits down and plans. Yeah. He looks at film. He looks at uh, what the other team is doing. He takes he takes the situation into account before every game. Well, we don't do that. We'll, we'll wait years before we sit down and actually look at what we need to be doing. And so, uh, and he has coaches that work with him and help him in that situation. And that's what a financial planner can can help. Somebody. Well, you know, too. Go ahead, Jim. I was going to say that's a great point. I think you know people aren't really good at what they do for just showing up. I mean, they actually, you know, do a, there's a lot of behind the scenes work that they do, like you mentioned, and then they surround themselves with a lot of good people, too, like the assistant coaches you mentioned. So that's very important. Very, very important. And I guess uh, if you put it all together, Adam, they keep score, right? Of course, you've got to keep score. You've got to know your your critical numbers and have something to uh, strive to get better at. That's that that's what you know makes me tick that's what i've found make most people tick is is just being able to beat their their uh their previous number their their previous goal that they had set mm. and that's so important because i think if you understand that you're keeping score let's give me some ideas paul of of ways to keep score i mean you know it's not like you play the game and at the end of the day you look at the scoreboard it's but there are ways in a financial plan to keep score give me some thoughts well just it, just doing a review one thing i mean looking at where you were last year and where you are today i mean are you on track for your goals uh you know it's what ends up happening is is that we you know maybe it's college funding and it costs a lot of money to to send a child to college and most people have no idea how much it costs and so they wait till the child is is uh, 15 and go, okay, let's start. Well, you know, keeping score, you setting down and, and saying the score is zero you know, every year, there is a point in time where you hope that score is going up. And I, I relate it to, I tell people all the time, uh, you know, my goal is is that, you know, every year you don't have any statements right now coming in that say you've got wealth. Well, my goal is is that every year all of a sudden you look back and you get that statement in the mail and you go, wow, I didn't realize that just putting a little bit of money back, how much difference it can make. And that's kind of a keeping score thing. But setting down and actually doing a review to me is a keeping score. So, Adam, I mean, when you talk about, uh, you know, that keeping score is critical, you know, having review, having being on the same page with your spouse if you're married, that's that's critical and making sure that those your goals are the same. What are some other things that you look at when you talk about uh, things that you should be doing on a regular basis? Well, you should you should pay yourself first. You should treat yourself and and your future goals as a as a bill, um, and you know that that's important. You you um, I've found that that habits are hard to good habits are hard to form. Bad habits seem to be a little easier to form, and it, it takes a lot of effort to to form a good habit. And saving money is definitely one of those. So you know, start with with as much as you can and build on that and make it more, but do it at the beginning of the month. Do it the day after you get paid. You know, the reason 401ks are the most widely used investment vehicles in the United States 
I don't think has to do with why they're, you know, how how they work. Uh, quite frankly, a lot of folks don't know how they work, which is okay. But they're automatic. They the money comes out of your paycheck before you have a chance to spend it. And if you can do that with all of your investments for all of your goals, I can promise you, you're gonna you're gonna be a lot happier with yourself. You know, ten, fifteen, twenty I, you know, years down like the road. What I like about that, you said that do do you treat yourself like a bill. I mean, like you've got this payment. That needs to be established. That's the discipline part of what you're talking about. Then I understand that, Adam. That's, I hadn't thought about that. If we kind of have a mindset that if I'm going to pay myself first, that says okay, then then I know I've got all these, but I'm going to treat myself as part of that payment plan. And so whether it's my 401k or my just saving in a bucket, the savings plan, it's doing that before you go out and have all the other stuff that you've got going on. That sounds like a you know a great start process. Uh, Jeremy, I mean, I know some things that we need to be telling a lot of people that are listening. Yeah, when a lot of people, like Adam was talking about, I mean, a lot of people sit down and they figure out their budget. They know, here's my net income that I have coming in. Here's all my bills. I have X amount of dollars. I have $100 left over, so I can possibly save that $100. Where if you flip that and you possibly save $250, then you start adding up all where all the rest of the money goes. You know, but there's a lot of competition. Oh. I mean, the competitions of a car, competition of a trip, competition of the new big TV, the 60-inch screen TV. And that is the competition, in Paul. That's where, you, that's where you spend more time dealing with those types of things instead of what Adam's saying, pay yourself first. Well, I was just reminded of my son. Uh, uh, he sent me a message the other day, a text message, and said, uh, so tell me about this Best Buy payment plan. <laughs> And I said, it's not for you. That's what you need to know. <laughs> and, and so, and then he said, well, it, it's wise it, advice from a financial yeah. planner. He said, well, it's not for me. And I'm going, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> and so by the end of the conversation, I just, I explained to him how it worked. And he said, well, what's the harm in doing that if they're not going to charge interest at the first year? And I said, because 85% of people, they end up not paying it off the first right. year and all the interest comes back. But the, the last thing he said, one of the last things he said to me was, you do realize the Apple Watch is coming out, you know. <laughs> and, and so I knew it was for him. And so there's another example of something that is that is taking everyone's attention. But I, I, another example I can think of is recently I met with a client, and I'm going to tell him I said this, but I found a way to save him $450. And I immediately said, per month, and I said, immediately, let's start saving that money. Well, he came to my office the other day and he said, I'm going to, I'm going to the car dealership today. <laughs> and I'm going, wait, that is not what you need to be doing. But, um, but so that, that's, we have a lot of competition, competition. for our money. And, you know, I mean, I don't, the, the point that I think Alan brought up is Adam says, uh, treat yourself as a bill that says, I'm going to be disciplined. And Adam, that is so critical uh, about doing that. But I guess uh, before we go to a break here in a few minutes, I want to talk about if you're going to treat yourself as a bill, talk about doing the thing that you do to invest, uh, doing an investment plan with the the mindset of paying yourself first. Well, I've got an uh, example that that we put together, um, and we named it, Early Earl and Procrastinator Pete. I like the names. Early Earl. <laughs> hey, you know what? Maybe that's Earl Farrell we're talking about here. Maybe we just kind of moved into that. Early Earl, and uh, I'll probably get a call from Earl now, but uh, Early Earl or Procrastinator Pete, okay? Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm a numbers person, and, and this really stood out for, for me when I, when I did this years ago. And, you know, we, we ran a case study of a 22-year-old that, that saves $3,000 a year, for nine years until he turns 31. Uh, total invested $27,000. At age 65, so 33 years down the road, 
he's got over half a million dollars invested at an approximate 8% annual return. Now, let's make sure we understand. This is just a calculation that you did. This is not investing any money. This is just simply compound using compound interest. This is not a, I got to do this for compliance, guys. This is not an investment that you've recommended or purchased. It's just simply putting money, investing it, or not investing it, but it's just you're calculating it using compound interest. Exactly. And and in reality, you're not going to get 8% as we know every single year. Well, exactly. You're, you're going to get 12. You know. <laughs> Can we edit that out? No. <laughs> but you're just the, comparing two di- identical situations and how the outcome comes up. You're not changing the return. You're just comparing apples to apples. Absolutely. Now, I want to sure, make sure, Adam, again, let me make sure that we give them that number again. Do what early Earl has done. The the only difference in these two comparisons uh, comparisons is the starting age of the investment and the number of years that Pete and Earl each contribute uh, to this annual investment plan. So procrastinator Pete starts you know nine years later when when early Earl decides he's done saving and and procrastinator Pete puts three thousand dollars a year as well and invests for thirty four years invests all the way up till the day he's about to retire or the day he does retire so he invests one hundred and two thousand dollars as opposed to the twenty seven almost four times as much you would think that procrastinator Pete would have more money putting in four times more money but because of the time value of money he doesn't have as much as early Earl so you know the the moral story is start early and you know Time is your best friend when it comes to investing. Well, that is time, and I think that's critical. And I and I want to come back. And we we're going to we're talking through this process of do's and don'ts. And I guess um, Adam, I want to make sure because I, I think we got so many different numbers out here. Would you just in a very simple way close out? Give me the number that Early Earl ended up with. What's that number that he says at 65, this is what I've got in, the, in my bucket? With investing only $27,000, he ended up with 512000 Just nine years. That's, that, to me, is the key. He just saved nine years. Yeah. Too. And procrastinator Pete didn't start for how many more years? Well, he, he started at the end of early Earl and saved for 34 years instead right. of just the nine. And what's the difference in the number? Uh, the difference is about $40,000 less. Yeah, and so... You have a discipline of the early part. When we come back, Chris Taylor is going to join us, and I want to get with him because, uh, again, Chris is going to a young guy, one of our young guys that does a lot of work with those young people that you ought to be talking about with Chris, uh, Chris, with these guys about saving money for that nine years like early Earl. So uh, Chris Taylor will join us when we come back. But if you just tuned in, I'm Jim Shoemaker, and uh, we're talking with um, Adam Reeves and Paul Rich. Adam from... Pulaski, Tennessee, Paul Rich from Savannah, Tennessee, and joining us when we come back, Chris Taylor. Uh, he's from Memphis, Tennessee, so we're glad to have him. And, uh, of course, my co-host today is Jeremy Jones, and we're talking about do's and don'ts, financial do's and don'ts. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Jeremy Jones. We're talking with Adam Reeves and Paul Rich. Um, they are from our offices, in Adam in Pulaski, Tennessee, and Paul from Savannah, Tennessee. And we're talking about, I, I love the scenario, guys. Now, I know before the break we talked about uh, getting a return on an investment. We're really talking about just taking simple 
or compound interest, the miracle of compound interest. And I want Adam to go back over it one more time because early Earl started, and for that little short period of time, he only invested for nine years, Adam, and and had a because compound interest works because of timing because of the way it works through the process he ended up with half a million dollars. Sure, and again we're just using you know the time value of money and, and compoundly growing uh, a hypothetical investment. Yeah, this is not 8%. a this is not an investment we're talking about. That and again everybody needs to remind you. I mean we'll just remind everybody that the bottom line is. Uh, past performance is never an indication of future performance, and we're not talking at this time about a specific investment of any kind. This is using compound interest to illustrate the fact that if a person starts early, the reward is tremendous. And and the the whole point of this analogy is that the the earlier you start your savings program, your investing program, the better off you're going to be. The 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 time that your money is, you know. Um, uh, being compoundly uh, uh, invested is is the, one of the major factors in the overall amount of money you're going to have to be able to to buy whatever it is you want to buy with there that you money. Go. There you so go. So establishing that early, and I use this word a lot, discipline. Early discipline to establish things before life really kicks in, you know, a lot of times with kids and things like that. When financial, you already have the savings established in your personal finances. Well, again, I, I think it's critical that you talk about the, the, the back to what he said earlier, and that is the whole idea of paying yourself first. I mean, really uh, be disciplined about that. Chris Taylor is going to join us. He is also from Memphis, Tennessee, and he is one of our newer advisors. And, uh, Chris, um, you, you're you constantly talking to younger people, you people in their right out of college or first year in their careers. They're under 35 and, uh, you know, you're working to become that certified financial planner where you're really spending the energy and the, and the, and the developing your career. What are you talking about when you, when you spend time with that 25-year-old young couple, newly married, and they're headed to build their plan? What's the, what's the things you're talking to them about? Well, really, one of the main goals I want to, to get across to them is to really buy into the idea of financial planning. You know, I, a lot of times when I talk with people, I use the analogy of really building a house. So when you build a home, the first step in that process is you want to lay your foundation. And then from there, you build the rest of the home. And so I like to describe a plan as really that is their foundation. And what it does is it trains them at a young age to, to think long term, to think big picture and developing good habits. And not only that, but as they move forward in life and as their situation becomes more complex, and they have bigger and, and greater responsibilities. Rather than having to start then at that point from zero, they can simply add to what's already in place, and it'll help them be successful long term. You know, that's exactly, I mean, I'm thinking of the process of when I started my career. I was back about your age when I started, and uh, I think the reality that I, I would talk to people, and most of the time they understood that, but they needed the discipline. They needed someone guiding them. Paul, when you started, similar back in, in Savannah 25 years, almost 25 years ago, what did what did you try to share with your clients at that point, the whole process of finding an advisor? What were you trying to convey to them? What was making, what were you saying to them to say, hey, you need to get started? I think one of the keys is, just for me, I remember everyone wants to, you know, number one, talk about, okay, here's my 401k statement. Help me with this. Mm-hmm. And, or my retirement, I need to roll it over or whatever it may be. And, and I would always, and I still to this day, I ask a lot more questions. And that's, to me, that's the secret. That's the key. When you're talking to a financial advisor trying to find someone, if you, if you go to someone and they're just instantly going directly to, okay, this is what, what you need to do without asking any questions, 
I mean, I, I would I would not use them because mm-hmm. you need you need to find an advisor number one that you trust, and I think that person needs to you know maybe you, you talk to someone uh, uh, get re- references or it may be, but in my opinion, it's very important if they're not asking questions more in depth. I, I uncover things by asking questions, and it may be you, you're going. I don't. Why are you talking about that subject? Why are you talking about insurance? Mm. Well, if you're plan, if you're sitting here and you've developed a plan, let's say for an example, you don't have adequate uh, life insurance. This would be a good example. And you're and you're saving money. You're 30 years old and have two kids, and you're putting back for their college and everything else. And you're putting all this money back, and all of a sudden, uh, you you come to the point and you pass away. All that plan, all that plan for college, that money's wiped out because you didn't have enough money to, to pay for your burial expenses or whatever it may be. You've got to dig deep, and that's what a good financial planner does. That's a great point. Chris, when you talk to young people, do you find that they're not thinking they need life insurance? I mean, that's again, you talk about a foundational beginning plan. Do they run through that process? They're, you know, they're not, maybe they're not married yet, or uh, uh, do they just not see that? Or what, what are you seeing? Yeah, I would say that it's very common for young people to not really prioritize life insurance. And when I talk to people, it's really for two main reasons. I'll say number one is that because they are young, they may feel bulletproof and they may feel that a premature death would just, that would never happen to them. So it's not a priority. I think the other reason I encounter a lot is that it's more of a stage of life issue. You know, like you said, they aren't married yet. They don't have a family that's dependent on their income at this point in life. And so therefore, it's just not a priority. But one of the things I try to stress to them is that even though they are young, the life insurance is is very important. And I have a story, a brief story to illustrate that. I have a good friend of mine who is a, he's 25 years old. He's a former athlete, and he was in great shape. Just a few months ago, he was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes really out of nowhere. It caught him by complete surprise. And as he and I were talking about this, you know, one of the things that it taught him is that it reminded him of his own you know vulnerability, that he wasn't as bulletproof as he maybe once thought he was. And even though he doesn't have a family yet, you know, he one of his big goals is is to one day be a family man. And the unfortunate reality here is that this diagnosis has put him at risk of not being able to ever have coverage. Yeah. And so I think that what we can all learn from this is that number one, like I said before, none of us are as bulletproof as we may think we are. And number two, we simply don't know what can happen to us later on in life. That if it were to happen, it could it could put us to risk of not even getting coverage. So I think well, it's important. That's a great point, Chris. I think we need to share with everybody. And Adam, I want to go back in this planning ahead for emergencies and things like that. But the reality is that is what a plan is all about: is the fi- fact that uh, you can't uh, you can't planning is is the reality that you're planning for what you think could happen. You hope it doesn't happen, but the reality is a part of any good plan is covering those catastrophes, whether it be the loss of insurability to death or disability, uh, disability being a, a real problem. I guess, Adam, I wanted you to head to more do's, and, and the do's, of course, are emergencies in college and estate. Talk, talk a little bit about the do's there. We're still in that process, the do's and the don'ts. Well, like Chris was mentioning, you know, a foundation for your home, I thought that was a, a good analogy, is is extremely important. And what Paul was saying was, you know, have have a relationship with an advisor that asks a lot of questions. You know, what are you going to do if your if your engine blows, if if an une- an unexpected uh, expense comes up, whether it's it's health or you know uh, uh, even just an extra bill that you weren't expecting. You know, we want to have money available to be able to pay for those emergencies. So you you want to have some cash set aside. Uh, you know, college is, is probably going to cost you some money if you have children and, and, and you want to 
you know, provide part of that education or all of that education for them. So let's plan that out. Let's do a timeline. Let's figure out approximately how much we think it's going to cost and, and put it into a bucket that, uh, you know, will we'll grow and, and minimize taxes so that we can cover that expense. There's all sorts of things that come up in life, and you, your advisor is the one that will sit down and, and make you think about those things. And, you know, even I myself as a financial advisor use another advisor to, to help me think of those things because, you know, I'm, I'm biased in my own life. And like we were saying earlier, you know, my money's competing for eating out or a new car or a lot of those other things, too. So, you know, it's just nice to have somebody else on your side that's locking arms and, and pushing you to to put your money in the right places. Yeah, I think uh, what's critical, uh, and too, Chris, with the young people, is tying your dollar to having that emotional attachment to it. Uh, so when you're thinking about your money and where it's going, when you say pay yourself first, well, what is what am I paying myself first for? You know, is it to is my goal, my vision to retire at 60? Is it to buy a beach home? Is it to send pay for all of my kids' college Pay for weddings, cars. What is what are all those things? Those goals again, those visions, and when you're when they're saving that money and putting it in all these different buckets, they know what it's for. And having the purpose for those dollars is really important, so they don't quit uh, or they keep that discipline approach. And I think that's very important. That's a great point. Well, when we come back, I want to find out, Chris, a little bit about disability insurance. And, guys, we've been talking about the do's. I know there's some don'ts, so I want to get into with Adam and Paul, uh, talk about the don'ts, because you've been listening to Talk Money on KWAM 990. We're talking about the financial do's and don'ts with uh, Paul Rich and Adam Rees. Paul Rich from Savannah, Tennessee. Adam Rees from Pulaski, Tennessee. And Chris Taylor right here at Memphis and uh, Stay with us because as we get through this, you're going to find you're going to look at this and say, hey, pretty good information because it is the do's and don'ts of financial planning. And uh, we're going to stay with you and give you more information about that. Again, to remind you, if you've got a question for us, send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial. We'll be right back after this. Not everyone fell victim to the yellow fever epidemic that ravaged Memphis in 1878. The city itself did not survive. The picture at that time could hardly be described as anything but grim, as tax revenues fell sharply and the city's ability to pay off its debt grew uncontrollably. Despite stiff opposition from the mayor, a measure to disincorporate the city passed the state senate and house the following year. Memphis then ceased to exist as a chartered city and was made a taxing district under the authority of a council of nine members, only four of whom were popularly elected. Under the new administration, taxes were raised, the old debt was paid off, and the council began to fund badly needed improvements to the district. Yet, as the new life was beginning to return to the local economy, a shadow was cast over these improvements in the form of widespread corruption embezzlement, and nepotism. Though such losses to the district's coffers were easily covered by strict fines on gambling, the ongoing problems in the district arrangement made it clear that such a system of local government could not last forever. In the following years, mayoral government was restored and Memphis became a prosperous city once again. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. 
Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker, one with Jeremy Jones. By the way, just like us on Facebook if you'd like to find out more about us. And, of course, um, and the firm, you get to kind of meet us on a personal basis, don't you, Jeremy? I mean, I'm not a big Facebook person, but I know Eleanor and Katie do a great job. And liking us on Facebook gets to know us a little bit. Social media is, is, is big in marketing and advertising today. Absolutely. So, And also, if you like this program or any program that you would like to come back and listen to later, find us on iTunes by simply typing in Shoemaker Financial, and you can do that anytime. Just uh, pull up a podcast and uh, listen to the program that's edited and kind of cleaned up a little bit, uh, which is good. And uh, my guest today, Paul Rich and Adam Reeves and Chris Taylor, we're talking with three professionals that have got a lot of experience and talking about the financial do's and don'ts. And guys, it, it is so important. I guess our listening audience, when we talk about the do's, let me kind of give us a review. You do find a good financial advisor. It's just biblical known to find somebody that can give you wise advice. We talked about that a little bit. Keep score, develop a budget. I mean, review a plan, follow the plan. That was critical. Pay yourself first. I, Adam, that was so critical. I thought, uh, treat yourself as a bill. What a great way of putting that. I, I really like that. And regardless of what's going on, don't let the competition of all the stuff Get in front of that. I thought that was well said and well done. And then uh, invest, diversify, rebalance. And then the idea behind procrastinate Pete and early Earl, the reality that just starting early made a huge difference. And uh, then you said planning ahead. We talked about the catastrophes, the emergencies, the college funds, things that you know. I mean, I tell everybody, do you think Christmas is going to happen on the 25th of December? The absolutely is yes. So you plan for it. You don't wait till it comes around and you figure, oh, I don't have enough money for Christmas. You plan for it. That's exactly what we're talking about. Plan ahead, whether it's uh, emergency fund, college funding, or estate planning. But the last to do is develop an insurance plan. Paul, when you talk about that overall foundation of an insurance plan, there's a lot of insurances because you're really protecting the catastrophe. I think it goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, you, you can, everyone loves the part of talking about saving and investing. I mean, they, they don't want to save and invest not all the time, but, but they love talking about right. it. But when you start talking about insurance, um, but that's your base. That is, you know, if you got a pyramid, that is your base. And if, uh, you, everything falls apart. If you, if you don't have adequate health insurance, then if something happens, all that saving for retirement, all that saving for, for college, all that emergency fund, everything gets wiped out. And so life insurance, uh, you know, planning for it. I mean, people, I can't tell you how many times people say, well, you don't need life insurance when you get retirement age. And, you know, I, I look back and I, I I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people that they thought that. And then they get to retirement age and they realize, well, you know, I have, I planned on two Social Security checks. Well, what if one of those Social Security checks stop when you're 70 years old? Oh, well, that that makes it difficult. Well, there may be a reason why you might need life insurance longer than you thought. Mm. And long-term care. I mean, everyone wants to get long-term care insurance right before they go in the nursing home. <laughs> it's a little late then. It doesn't work that way. And so uh, planning ahead for that. Um, uh, but, uh, and you know, like I said, health insurance, life insurance, but also D- DI, which I know, d- disability. Well, Chris, I want to talk about that. You mentioned a while ago, because, I mean, back to Paul saying insurance, you don't get a long-term care the day before you go into the nursing home. The reality is if you can't get, you know, house and you can't insure your home, 
if there's smoke coming out of the back mm-hmm. door. I mean, that's a little late. And your example earlier on in the program was the, your, your client that had come down with type 2 diabetes. And again, just remind everybody, not every case is the same. Everybody is an individual. And so when you talk about whether someone has a problem medically or not, you need to always check out what you have with a medical professional to find out exactly how that might be rated. But morbidity and mortality, morbidity meaning the ability for disability and coverage like that, and then mortality is that death, you know, what's going to matter on the death side, uh, all of that's a science, and uh, keeping that in, in concept of what we're trying to talk about puts us to give us some idea of how people get measured. So again, we're not trying to say anybody's measured any particular way, just a thought about how do we look at that. But you talk about disability, Chris. Um, do, do young people think about disability? Do they look at disability as important for them? I would say in many cases, people that I talk to don't really look at it as a big priority. And, and I think the reason is similar to what I mentioned before when it, with the same mentality with life insurance that, you know, when they're young, they, they live in, and I'm young, so I definitely understand that mentality, but you live in the moment and you don't really think about the what ifs of what could happen to you. And, and so it's not really on the forefront of your mind. But the reality is that just like from my friend there, you know, we, we are vulnerable and susceptible to things happening to us. And, and if a disability were to happen to us and it would it took away our ability to work and to earn an income, then the reality of that situation is that it could it could really have a significant impact on us financially. And so I just try to talk to people and, and just really get them thinking about how disability can be a very important thing to think about, even as a young person, as a way to protect yourself, like, like Paul was talking about. That's a great point. More mortgages are foreclosed on, Jeremy. Because of disability and not ability to continue to work? Yeah, I think uh, disability, life insurance, you know, as Paul and Chris were talking about, insurance is a thing that uh, a lot of people out there today do not think about it until they hear of a tragedy or hear of a situation. Uh, had a cli- We had a client the other day uh, with another advisor that he was all over the disability as a professional primarily because they had a family friend that was just playing basketball with the children out in the driveway. And he slipped and fell, hit his head, uh, and he is permanently disabled for the rest of his life. Now, that's a tragedy uh, that calls people, but we react to tragedies all the time. Uh, so we need to be more educated on without letting something, a situation calls you uh, to do it without you having it. That is so critical. And again, we're not trying to paint great, you know, pictures of just these are real cases. They're real people and uh, they do happen. We're in the business where we see it all the time. Uh, We always like to think, I know, Paul, you and Adam think about that. We try to do this before it takes place. And uh, same thing with Chris and Jeremy. We're always doing that. All right, guys, do's and don'ts. When we come back, I want to make sure we cover the don'ts because there are some don'ts we have to do. I've got to do traffic, weather, and um, so let's do that. But, guys, uh, don'ts. What do we don't do when it comes to finances and how do we do that? So come back, Adam. I'm going to start with you, man. So if you just tuned in, it's Jim Shoemaker and uh, Jeremy Jones along with Paul Rich, Adam Reeves, Chris Taylor. We're talking about financial do's and don'ts. We'll be right back after this. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. 
At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money on Friday morning at KWAM. We're talking about financial do's and don'ts. Paul Rich, Adam Reeves, Jeremy Jones, of course, here, and Chris Taylor. Man, we got a just a house full in the studios today, which is a good-looking bunch. No? Okay. They're all staring at each other. Aren't they? they all looked at each other like, oh, who is he talking about? Adam has a face for radio. <laughs> okay. There we go. Now this program is in trouble now all of a sudden. Isn't it good that we don't have to do television? All right. Uh, uh, Jimmy, you had a comment because uh, you were talking about what people have a tendency to do. So some of the don'ts, and I don't want to go to Adam in a second, but but one of the don'ts. Yeah, all these great do's and don'ts. And from the beginning of for don'ts as uh, for young people, you know, I've I've been in the business for I was young at one time, and I got into the working You're world. Still right young, out, got it right out. Of, well, not not when I look at Chris or talk to Chris. You know, I, I don't feel as as, as young I hear anymore. You. I hear you. Uh, but talking, you know, and for Chris, and he's running across it. But the, you know, a lot of young people, uh, you know, getting into school and and working hard and the studying, and they want to get out and get a job. Well, you know, as soon as they get hired, one of the first things they want to do is splurge a little bit. You know, they come across a little bit of money. And, you know, I've had a situation where, you know, a pharmacist got a job and, you know, she felt like she just needed to go buy her a nice car for kind of a, I guess, a present, a gift of, of working hard oh, She's school. worked very hard. She deserved it. she has. It. She deserved a little ah, bit, yeah. but maybe not a uh, $900 a month car note. <laughs> um, and you know what? That was She still had a little money to save, but after a little while, that, that kind of excitement wore off. And she, you know, she kind of regretted it. It's just like anything else. People come across money and they want to splurge and spend it. And, you know, might buy themselves something nice. And then after a while, it wears off. And so that's one of the don'ts that I would say, you know, okay to get a new car if you need one. Uh, but maybe not the car that's so nice that's $900 a month. Good point. Adam, give us another solid don't do this type of thing. All right. Don't ignore the tax, tax ramifications of your investments. You know, a lot of folks put into their 401k because it's easy because it's already set up for them. And, and that's a good thing. That is a, a pro on the pro-con list. But, you know, that's that's tax-deferred. You, you're going to pay the taxes on that later. There's other investment choices out there that may or may not be better for you in your particular situation. Uh, again, it goes back to find, finding a good financial advisor that you trust. Uh, but, but at least talk with them. I know we've got a lot of good folks that will sit down with you and have an initial consultation that will go over some of those things. Um, it, it's extremely important because, as we as we know, uh, taxes are one of the biggest drainers of our real rate of return on our investments. So very good. Number one on the don't list is don't forget taxes, and that's important. Paul, what's number two? I don't live above and beyond your income. I mean, that's that's going back to what Jeremy said, basically, but. But definitely don't live. Well, now, you know, let me challenge you on that, because I hear what you're saying. But she had the money. She could afford sure. it. But what she did was she went way above. She could have bought a car. Instead, she bought a 
nine hundred dollar a month car. Don't you don't you think it's funny though? I was thinking about when he said that that she was in some ways in bondage while in school. I mean, she felt like she was in bondage. So what do we do when we get out of bondage? We go back into bondage. (laughs) I mean, that's that's to me that's that's amazing. But you know, I I look at uh, in this in this example, I put down a note, and I I I have a four hundred one k plan that um, that I, I do a lot of stuff with, and and. Every time they get a raise, the uh, president of the company goes around and he says, "Okay, you're getting you're getting a raise. How much are you going to put in your 401k?" And the average person there is probably putting in 10%. And I mean, it's it's amazing because every time they get a raise, they'll put if they get a 4% raise, they got they recently got a 4% raise. Most of them did 2% of that, half of that into the into the 401k. Well, what you're saying is that again, he's taking the time to ask them, and therefore as a result of that, they're moving forward. They're doing something about it. What's another don't for me, Adam? All right, so we mentioned procrastinator Pete and, and early Earl, and you know, don't procrastinate. I think we've we've drilled that in pretty pretty well. But you know, uh, also with the insurances, one one other thing I want to point out with those is that life, disability, and and long term care insurance are very unique types of insurance. That it really mainly matters what your health is when you buy them. Um, you know, right after you buy them, right after you pay that pay that that first month's premium. You know, your health, it doesn't matter as much. So those three are unique um, because you, you want to lock them in when you when you have good health. So get those right away and, and, of course, start investing early. Is there another, when you got procrastination, start investing earlier, funding your retirement plan. Those are don't, don't not do that is what you're saying, Paul. Yeah, I'd, I'd also add don't forget helping, have, have someone as a coach. I mean, as a financial advisor, for an example. And, and, and you, you may, I just recently met with someone who works in Social Security Administration. And when I did, one of the things I did, I, I assumed she knew, or he, he or she knew everything there was to know about Social Security. Well, in my presentation plan, we actually did a presentation on what is Social Security going to mean to you, when to start taking it. And it was like, a, you know, how it all fit together blew her mind. Yeah. And and so just have a coach, basically. Yeah, get a financial coach is what you're talking about. Yeah. So reviewing real quickly, find a good coach, keep score, pay yourself first, do investing and do it now. That means get started Plan ahead for emergencies, college funding, all those things that you know. Develop a proper proper and well-designed insurance plan. And then here's the don'ts. Don't forget tax ramifications. Don't buy cars when you shouldn't. Live beyond, beyond your means. Don't wait to fund your retirement plan. And last but definitely not least, don't procrastinate. Guys, I appreciate you being here. Again, you've been with us today. It's Adam Rees from Pulaski, Tennessee. Paul Rich. From Savannah, Tennessee, Chris Taylor. Well, we've had a full house from Memphis, Tennessee. Jeremy Jones and myself, Jim Shoemaker. You've been listening to Talk Money. Like us on Facebook, if you would. Or uh, just send us a good uh, email, talkmoney at Shoemaker Financial. Board operator and producer, Art Frederick. I want to say a thank you to him. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fordner. Production assistants of Eleanor Moskovitz, Katie Brashear. And the Mid-South History Moment by Rebecca Brasher and Drew Johnson. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Jeremy Jones. You've been listening to Talk Money. We appreciate you. See you next Friday on Talk Money on KWAM. We're here every Friday helping you make the most of your money. Thank you. 
Jim Shoemaker and Jeremy Jones are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not a forecast of future events, a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax and or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such.